Good morning. morning. You all look full. So we live in this uh, really polarizing time right now, right? When you think about all that's going on in the world in 2018, I mean, there's, there's terrible, terrible things happening. There's evil being committed. There's even just like amongst our friend groups, there's this division and, and everything's a disagreement and we just feel so polarized and it can be so easy to go like, this is just the worst. This is the worst, right? It's not. And that's not just me saying that. Uh, researchers have actually done a, a study and they have identified the worst, the worst year to be a human, and it is not 2018. It is 536 AD, the worst year to be a human. There a massive volcanic eruption spewed a huge cloud of ash that shrouded the entire northern hemisphere in darkness, and that caused a drop in temperatures that led to crop failure, massive crop failures, to starvation. It's pretty bleak. We don't often think about massive volcanoes blotting out the sun over Franklin. But as if that wasn't enough, as they did more research, that around this time, a massive outbreak of plague wiped out a huge part of the population in Europe. This thing lasted more than 30 years. Man. And then after that, a herd of dinosaurs roamed across the land, picking off people left. That didn't happen. This is dark. This is a dark time. Don't worry. You didn't, you didn't know anybody then, so it's, it's okay. You didn't, you, you're okay. But like, this, this is the worst, right? This is the worst. And so we can take a small measure of hope, a small measure of confidence. It's like, okay, this isn't the worst right now. And so no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how hard it is, no matter what you're experiencing, you can at the very least find one small thing to be thankful for, that it's not the year 536, because this is the time of year when our hearts turn towards thankfulness, right? Th- Thanksgiving is a big thing for us. It's a big thing. And you know it's a big thing because there aren't many ideas and feelings that have a menu attached to them, right? Like this is a big thing that, that we celebrate. I don't know if you're like my family, you sat around the Thanksgiving table and talked about what you're thankful for, what you appreciate. And it's good that we are purposeful to do that. But part of the problem is we need to be purposeful around this time of the year because we don't do it a lot. We don't do thankfulness well. That's not kind of where we naturally go. Thankfulness is, is a feeling or expression of gratitude or appreciation. It's a deep feeling. We don't communicate that super well. But it's an important thing in the Bible, and it's something God calls us to a lot. We see this, this idea of being thankful talked about over and over again, because in fact, I think thankfulness is, is really at the root of what it means to know God. It's a foundational idea. And so we're going to look at, at thankfulness this morning and dig into that. I mean, it's an important thing because our attitude towards thankfulness reveals our attitude towards ourselves, our attitude towards others, and our attitude towards God. So what should thankfulness look like in our lives? We're going to look at two main ideas, right? We're going to pick two verses, simple, straightforward stuff. First verse we're going to look at is Ephesians 5, verse 20. Ephesians 5, verse 20. This is Paul is writing this, and and he's talking in the context of, of relationships and how we interact with each other. And he says this, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. So the first thing that we're going to talk about with thankfulness is be thankful always. Be thankful always. And if you're like me, you'd be going, oh, that's it? Only, oh, I only have to be thankful always for everything? What Paul's getting at here is this is a worldview idea. This is a really, a, it's lifestyle oriented. It speaks to the way we see and interact with the world and experience our own lives. We have to be challenged to be thankful always because we don't naturally do that well. In fact, for us culturally, we see that to be true. We don't honor thankfulness culturally. We honor success. And as any parent knows, the behavior that is reinforced is the behavior that gets repeated. But we're called to be thankful always. What gets in the way of that? Well, I think a couple things. The first thing that I think gets in the way of being thankful always are expectations. Expectations get us in trouble. Being thankful always helps us combat the idea of expectations, right? We assume certain things. We, we assume that we deserve certain things. One of the ways that my mom communicates love is through gifts. And so a couple years ago, we're at my parents' house for Christmas, and my mom just does such a good job loving my wife and my kids. And so we're celebrating Christmas, and Bethany opens the, the, gets these clothes, and my mom knows her, and, and it's almost always like gets her great stuff, and loves my kids well, and they love what they got, and then I get my present, and I open it up, and it's a cookbook. And I'm an adult. Like, my mom doesn't need to still buy me presents. I mean, mom, if you're listening, please continue to, but she doesn't have to. But because I know that gifts is her love language, I'm like, wait a minute. Bethany gets clothes that, like, she loves. It's totally her style. My kids get this stuff that they love. I get a cookbook? And so I'm talking with my dad later in the day, and I'm just like, yeah, I just, like, I don't, like, I I don't know. I just kind of bummed about the cookbook, I guess. I mean, he's just fine. He doesn't know me anything, but, you know, just the cookbook. And he's like, Josh, that's a Marshall Fields cookbook. Like, that's a famous cookbook, and Marshall Fields is closing forever. And your mom knew that you had talked about that cookbook you you were reading called How to Make Everything, and so she waited in line to get this signed before this building closed forever. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Okay. Okay. That's where you want to be like, yeah, I was just kidding about that other stuff. Like, I just totally knew that. It was a test for you. My assumptions got me in trouble. I assumed certain things. She owed me certain things. Needed to communicate in the way that I wanted her to communicate. And that meant I wasn't thankful. I missed the boat on that. We have a baseline that we think we're entitled to. We expect certain things from people, right? We expect presents at Christmas, a return phone call, kindness. You know, we we expect things from people. But those expectations lead us to take things and take people for granted. When we expect, we take for granted when someone does. How many times have you been in a restaurant and your waiter brings you food and you're in the middle of a conversation and you just barely acknowledge their presence as a human being right here? Right? And you might be thinking, well, well, I'm literally paying them money to bring me food, so they're just doing the bare minimum. But why not thank them for doing that? Sometimes there's this thought that if someone does what they're supposed to, they shouldn't be thanked for it. Who came up with that? How do we have an attitude of thankfulness? On a more, much more personal level, God really challenged me this week. And what I realized as I was working through this I take my wife for granted. She's an incredible mother. 
She's my partner, my best friend. Our house always looks super cool and very clean, and that's there's very little to do with me. She's so good at what she does that I just assume that I can just do my thing, right? It's like, well, she's got it covered. And I take that for granted. I just assume and expect that she will. And I'm sorry. Because that's not an attitude of thankfulness. In fact, you know what? Hang on. It's not enough to just say you're thankful. We have to show that we're thankful. We have to live out thankfulness. She didn't know. We didn't practice that. (laughs) Why would I want to take for granted the person that I love most in the world? That's where expectations lead us. This assumption that we deserve to be treated in a certain way. But that's not the only issue, the only barrier for us to thankfulness. Comparisons get us in trouble as well. We can focus on what's wrong in our lives instead of what's right. We can focus on what we don't have instead of what we do. And comparing then steals our joy because it makes us selfish and self-centered. We fixate on the things we don't have that we want or feel like we deserve because those things, those things are going to make us happy and satisfied. The Bible roots really all of human sinfulness in the lack of thankfulness. It's all human sinfulness, all of this, this stuff in our heart. When we rebel from God, when we miss his mark, it's all rooted in an attitude of unthankfulness. We see that in Romans chapter 1. Paul's talking about people and how God has revealed himself. He says in verse 19, they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. It says they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And that idea, that's what leads us down a dark path. Our sin and rebellion is rooted in a refusal to give thanks to the one who created us. We can see this all the way back in the beginning, back in Genesis. God created Adam and Eve and created this, this perfect place for them, this incredible place. And he walked with them in the garden. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like a club med times a bajillion, plus they get to hang out with God. And he says, do whatever you want except one thing, just this one tree. Just don't eat from this one tree. Do whatever you want. And because Adam and Eve are people, and you're thinking the same thing, what's, what I mean, it happens. It's like, oh, that tree must be amazing. You see how that, that starts in an idea of unthankfulness? God had given them so much, so much. They had access to all this stuff, but it wasn't enough for them. And so they did the one thing God had asked them not to do. Billy Graham talks about it like this. He says, nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And nothing will do more to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. Folks, selfish people are easy to disappoint. Thankful people are hard to disappoint. Hard to disappoint. It's all too easy for us to take God for granted. Like he owes us somehow. But folks, the creator 
owes his creation nothing. It's us who owe him. And we combat those tendencies, we combat that nature by being thankful always. What that means is all of the time, all of the time. Now, it doesn't mean nonstop, right? You're allowed to eat and to breathe and to have conversations with other people. But it, it means have an attitude of thankfulness. Do it so frequently. It's the dominant flavor of your life. Back where we used to live, there's a thing called Wawa. It's a convenience store that it makes like I was going to say the best hoagies. My wife thinks they're the best hoagies. They're the second best for me. But I love Wawa. I went there all the time growing up. And when I'd go get food for us, uh, I'd get, usually get like an Italian sub for my wife. And, and I got to know what she wanted on it. And I know she didn't want cheese. Why, you ask? Because cheese dominates. That's what she would say. Oh, I don't want cheese. Cheese dominates. It took over all of the other flavors of the Italian hoagie. She didn't want that. And so what I'm saying to you is let Thanksgiving be the cheese in your life. See what I did there? <laughs> let that be the dominant flavor that affects everything else. Let thankfulness serve as the filter for your life, for everything you say and do. Because an attitude of thankfulness moves us from expectation to appreciation. Be thankful always. The next thing we see about thankfulness is in 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. All right, if be thankful always was oriented around lifestyle and worldview, then be thankful in all circumstances is oriented around situations. It means be thankful in the good and the bad. And it's important you hear me say this. It's be thankful in every circumstance, not be thankful for every circumstance. That's important. Because when life is hard, how are you going to be thankful for this? You're, you might reasonably ask, so I'm supposed to be thankful for evil? I'm supposed to be thankful for the loss of a loved one? I'm supposed to be thankful that those things happen? No, thankful in those things. There's a difference. Because being thankful in a bad circumstance doesn't mean being thankful for evil, but rather be thankful that even in the midst of evil, God is present and working. Circumstances reveal our true attitude towards thankfulness. Tragedy and pain reveal what we really believe. It reminds us of our own mortality, of how fragile life really is. A friend of mine said this week that the knowledge of our own mortality is a gift. And that, that really hit me. Because I think what she was saying was when we're reminded how frail life is, it makes us appreciate it more. Liza Johnson just had Thanksgiving. She didn't travel to an exotic location. She didn't have a large family gathering at her house. She wasn't home for Thanksgiving and not by choice. Her home was one of the more than 13,000 homes destroyed by the Butte County wildfire because Liza Johnson's from Paradise, California. This is Kilcrease Circle. This is a neighborhood. I counted 166 houses in this neighborhood. After the massive wildfire tore through this part of California, it looks like this. 
looks like there's only 22 homes remaining. And they're gone. They're just gone. Just concrete slabs. That's what her home looks like. That devastation is her reality right now. And you know what she said? She said this was probably the best Thanksgiving of her life. She said, being alive and my family being alive, it makes you realize. Folks, thankfulness is about more than just being happy you've got stuff or happy that, that someone did something nice for you. It's more than just the circumstances you're going through. And we know that's true because if thankfulness was only due to circumstances, then you couldn't possibly be thankful when you've lost everything. Because I know what that feels like sometimes. We want to justify our attitude by going, well, life is hard, or you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the pain I experience. But if that was only due to our circumstances, then there's no hope for us. But we're able to have hope because it's not due to what we're going through now. It's due to what God has done for us already. We have a desire to be thankful, but we often don't know how to be. We long to thank someone. Our hearts know it, even if our heads don't. And the reason for that, the reason the desire for thankfulness is planted deep within us, the reason that thanksgiving resonates with us is because God made us that way. We're able to be thankful because of who God is and what he's done for us. Because God knows if our heart is full of joy and thankfulness over what he's done for us through Jesus, then there's no room for sin, bitterness, selfishness. One writer says it like this, it's difficult for a person to be thankful and spiteful at the same time. Every situation we go through is a chance for faith to be developed. It's a chance for relationships to be deepened. It's a chance for your picture of God to grow bigger and fuller and richer. And we're called to be thankful in every circumstance because that shifts our perspective and forces us to see the good that God is doing even amidst the pain. This is God's will for us. That's what the verse says. This is God's will for us. It's as if God knows this disease that rests in our heart and he's written us a prescription. He says, go get this filled. God doesn't need us to be thankful because he has an ego. God doesn't need us to be thankful because of how it makes him feel. God wants us to be thankful because he knows it changes us. He knows what it means for us. Folks, thankfulness isn't just something you feel after you get out of a hard situation. Thankfulness is often the thing that helps you get out of that situation in the first place. We can be thankful because God is the source of all good things. James Chapter 1, verse 17 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God the Father. Everything that gives us life, air, food, water, shelter, love, belonging, everything that gives our lives meaning comes from somewhere outside of us. We can't generate that stuff on our own. God has provided those things. He's created us to experience those things. And if we're not thankful, we're really acting like what God has done for us and is doing for us isn't good enough. If I lend you $5 and you forget to pay me back, 
Are you ever going to think about that again? I hope so. I'd like my $5 back, please. But probably not, right? Probably not. But if I let you borrow $5 trillion and you waste it all, and that raises several questions. Where did I get $5 trillion? What did you need $5 trillion for? How did you waste it? I don't know. But let's say you waste it all, and you come back to me and say, I can't pay this back. And I say, okay, your debt's forgiven. It's wiped clean. Don't worry about it anymore. How do you feel about that? Do you remember that moment? Do you think about that moment? Folks, that moment becomes the defining moment of your life. The rest of your life is shaped and colored by that interaction, by what happened there. And I get a birthday card and a Christmas card and a Columbus Day card and an Arbor Day card for the rest of my life. And you name all of your kids after me. doesn't matter if they're boys or girls. Because that has shaped your life. And that's the thankfulness that we're being called to experience, to realize that we have been rescued out of our own brokenness, that God says, I know you, and I know what you've done, and I love you anyway, and I want to bring you out of that, that we can be so overwhelmed that the God of the universe would know us and love us, that we are filled with this thankfulness. We can't help but be thankful. When you're truly thankful, you got to do something about it. You have to live it out. You tell people about it. It's got to affect your life. Being a Christian, as one writer puts it, is thankfulness translated into joyful obedience. Thankfulness translated into joyful obedience. Thankfulness has to spill out into action. I'm good friends with this guy, Rob. Rob is uh, from Zimbabwe, lives in Harare, Zimbabwe. And he came and visited our church uh, many years ago when I was uh, back in Pennsylvania. And we find out, uh, like a, maybe like a year after he was there, uh, that he's dying. He'd woken up one day on his bathroom floor. He had blacked out and didn't know why. And he goes to the doctor and they find out his massive kidney failure. And the lead pastor of that church and I were talking, and I'm saying, so what happens? And he's like, if we don't do something, he's probably going to die. I'm like, how's that possible? Like, it, it's the 21st century. He lived, Harare is a major international city. It's not some backwater. How is it possible that he can't get access to dialysis? Like, how is this possible? But it, but it was. And so our church brought him over to Pennsylvania and asked it, to try to get him a, a kidney donor. And a young man named Michael, who had only just met Rob. They weren't lifelong friends. Decided to get tested and found out he was a match. And so he volunteered to give Rob his kidney. Now, in a fun little twist, it turns out that, that Michael had, like, super mutant kidneys that, like, performed better and more efficiently than normal kidneys. And so that feels a little bit like, okay, God, that's cool. All right. All right. But I was talking with Rob the other day. And I asked him, how do you thank Michael for this? And he said, I, I tell him all the time. And I want to be present in his life. And I tell him that I am there for him no matter what. He's like, but honestly, Josh, how do you repay someone who brought you back to life? What could I ever do to earn his sacrifice for me? So when I asked Rob, then, then how do you... 
how do you work that out? He said, I feel an obligation to not waste it. He said, that's how I say thank you. He not only tells Michael and is present in his life, but he wants to be a good steward of that gift that he's been given to say thank you. That's what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. We have been brought back to life. We've been given a gift we didn't earn, that we could never deserve, that we couldn't have gotten on our own. We are dying, and and God steps into our story through his son Jesus and brings us back to life. That needs to be so overwhelming that it shapes and touches and affects every area of our life. When we realize that, when we let that sink in, thankfulness suddenly doesn't need to be manufactured. Thankfulness just pours out. What has someone done for you? What have they done for you? Maybe it's not a kidney. Maybe it's financial help. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's friendship. Maybe it's being present in your life when you needed it. Maybe it was a job opportunity. Maybe it's encouragement. What has someone done for you? Think about that. Think about how that felt. Think about how grateful you were. How much more have we been loved by God? So that begs the question for us, how can I live a life of thankfulness? How can I live a life of thankfulness? Folks, we're all going to go through situations where it's hard for us to be thankful. When life is hard, when we're discouraged, when there's stress at work, when there's relationship challenges, when, when we're experiencing loss. I want to give you three things. I want to give you three things to do, three steps to take. The first is change your filter. Change your filter. Are you seeing the world through privileged, entitled eyes? Are you seeing the world through thankful, grateful eyes? Are you seeing the world through an expectation of what you're owed? Are you seeing the world through an assumption that certain things are just rightly yours? Are you seeing the world through grateful, thankful eyes, appreciative for every good thing, appreciative for the big as well as the small. Second is choose to. Change your filter first, and second, choose to. Choose to be thankful. And I know that sounds simple, but that's where it starts. To be intentional, to decide to do it, even when you don't feel like it, to look for opportunities to be thankful. It could be as simple as making a list of all the things that are good in your life, the things that God has blessed you with. You can start this today. Choose to be thankful. When you feel anger or frustration or bitterness bubbling up, choose to be thankful instead. Choose to believe that God is at work. Choose to believe that you're not alone. And lastly, make it a habit. Or, if you get itchy because those were two C's and one M, create a habit. That's for free. <laughs> Make a habit. I love this quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Start small. But do it. Step by step, over and over again. Ask God to help you to be thankful for what he's done. 
Take those small steps because as your heart fills more and more with thankfulness, there's less room for the other crap that we try and get rid of anyway. God has created us to be thankful, not because of how it benefits him, but because of what it means for us.